0: If you're troubled, heavy-hearted, come to Jesus and find your peace. If you're run down, empty-handed, come to Jesus and find your strength, he is holy. Amen. He is, He is, is. Helper and Healer forevermore, Savior and Shelter through every storm, My refuge, Redeemer and Lord of Lords.
1: morning. Excuse me. Yeah. It is so good to see you all this morning. I'm uh, Tim Brewster, co-senior pastor here at uh, First Church. Glad to have you in worship this morning. Congratulations on uh, getting up and making it on Time Change uh, Sunday and, and the beginning of spring break for at least for Fort Worth ISD, and for some other area districts. Glad that you are here. Uh, Reverend Lance Marshall, uh, the other co-senior pastor, is uh, taking some much-needed vacation uh, today and next uh, week, so it's good uh, for me to have the opportunity to greet you this morning. I have a few announcements I want to make. First of all, uh, if you'll find the registration folders on the row where you're sitting and fill those out, make sure that uh, as people come in uh, later, that they have an opportunity to register their attendance as well. And if they come in, um, say 45 minutes from now for the service, be gentle with them. Uh, and, uh, and welcome them and greet them, make sure they have a chance to, to sign in as well. Uh, if you're worshiping with us online, uh, welcome to you as well. And there, there is a, a button that you can use to register your attendance uh, as well. Let me make some announcements. Our Healthy Plate uh, Breakfast um, is an opportunity to learn more about our Healthy Plate Discipleship uh, Program. That's the framework we use for uh, understanding our discipleship and sort of measuring ourselves, how we're doing with our own following of Jesus. And there's a breakfast next Sunday at 9.30. You'll need to register for that uh, in advance so that breakfast can be provided for you. And you can do that uh, by uh, emailing Helm at uh, lhelm at myfumc.org. And uh, that's Lhelm at myfumc.org uh, to, to register for that breakfast. Um, and save the date for April 3rd. Uh, that is going to be a great Sunday. It is the uh, consecration service for the new Edward and Maxine Baker Children's Wing our new children's wing expansion uh the worship service will be at 9:30 in the parking lot the east parking lot right beside the new building uh and uh, after a service of worship at 9:30 at this hour there'll be an opportunity then to move right into the building uh for a first look uh at that beautiful new building and so I hope you'll plan to be present for that. There'll be activities for children, activities for family, and the beignet bus will be here. And yes, Uh, and um, if you would like to purchase an Easter lily for our Easter uh, services uh, to adorn our sanctuary, you can uh, do that. Visit the Lent 2022 uh, webpage on our uh, website, and uh, they're $20 each, and the deadline for doing that is April the 10th. Uh, and then uh, finally, let me just remind you of some Holy Week activities. Uh, Monday Thursday, uh, which is April the fourteenth at seven o'clock here in the sanctuary, Monday Thursday service, uh, and uh, at uh, the the family uh, dinner and worship service for children and families, five thirty dinner, six fifteen, worship service for them. Good Friday, the same schedule, seven o'clock here and uh, five thirty and six fifteen. FOR THE uh, CHILDREN AND FAMILY SERVICES. NOW I INVITE YOU TO STAND FOR OUR CALL TO WORSHIP. TODAY IS A DAY TO SING PRAISE TO GOD. EVEN IN THE MIDST OF COLD AND DARKNESS, THE WARMTH OF GOD'S LOVE IS REAL. Let our hearts rejoice and our voices shout praise to God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dr.
2: Brewster. Uh, And again, uh, my name is Clint Church. I want to reinforce one thing uh, that Dr. Brewster said be be gracious to those who come in an hour late i mean it we all do it it this is a tough sunday sometimes when you set that forward um but again we're so glad you're here and worship with us today my name is clint church i'm one of the worship leaders here at the gathering uh, along with the gathering band uh we're going to do a song that we haven't done in about a year or so uh but it's one that last lent uh or maybe it was two lents ago these last two years really bleed together don't they um but uh, this song is called I Am, uh, and a couple years ago during Lent, we did the I Am sayings of Jesus. Um, and this one uh, is called I Am, and it says this in the, uh, in the first verse. There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place that we can't find peace, and there's no end amazing grace. And so as we gather for worship today, I hope that we can open our hearts and minds to how God is moving amongst us uh, and know that there is no space that His love can't reach us. So this is called I Am. Let's sing along.
0: There's no space That his love can't reach There's no place where we can't find peace There's no end to amazing grace Take me in with your arms spread wide Take me in like an orphan child Never let go, never leave my side let's go Here we go.
3: Everyone, please be seated. And tell you what, one more time, why don't we thank the fabulous Gathering Spring Break Band. <laughs> Woo! Well done. Well, everyone, welcome. My name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And this part of the gathering is called Prayers of the People. This is that really important opportunity for us to pause and breathe. And to be aware of our blessings, to be aware of the community that surrounds us. And to be in prayer together. Prayer for one another, prayer for our sisters and brothers online, and prayer for our sisters and brothers around the world. And if you're familiar with the gathering, you know that there is a pattern that takes place during prayers of the people. There will be a number of spots during the prayer where I'll say the phrase, Lord in your mercy. And then our collective response is, Here are our prayers. Let's give that a shot. Lord in your mercy, here are our prayers. Excellent. There's gonna be a point where I'm going to name a number of first names of people. And then there'll be a spot where I'll ask, Are there any others? And I wanna encourage you where you're sitting to say out loud, the name of a person or a place or something that's on your heart this morning because that's how all of us collectively make this prayer come to life. So if you would close your eyes, take a deep breath, let us pray. O loving and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this new day. And it is amazing that on a day when our clocks are adjusted, we realize that it's easy for us to become out of balance because you create us to be body, mind, and spirit. And the more that we realize that, the more that we can fully appreciate your unconditional love, your presence with us, and all the people that you bring into our lives. And for these things we give you thanks. As your children, O oh God, we confess our sins and our sinfulness, those things that separate us from you, those things that we grieve. And we do come this morning, O oh God, the great I am. We come in the middle of storms. There are storms in our lives here and there are storms around our world. And so with every bit of compassion and sincerity that that we can offer, we pray for our sisters and brothers in Ukraine and in every country around the world, every country where people long for peace, We thank you for being present with them. We thank you for your presence with our leaders, leaders around the world who might be more willing to look at the greater good. And we pray for that. Father God, you are the creator of all things and you call them good. Your creation testifies about your power, grace, and love. You offer us new lives, new hopes, and new opportunities. For all these things, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Everything that you create, you make free. But over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin and separation from you. And yet, at our worst, you did not abandon us. You came alongside us walking with us as Jesus the Christ to redeem us, reconcile us and restore us to relationship with you forever. For this salvation, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Always and everywhere, we are never alone. Through your Holy Spirit, you guide us, inspire us and shine a light before our feet so that we may learn to walk in your ways. For this constant presence, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Judy, Claire, Wendell, Phyllis, John, Laura, and Pat. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For the lives and the legacies of Travis, Boyd, and Bob. Lord in your mercy, hear our prayers. Are there others? Lord in your mercy, hear our prayers. For all who seek to change their hearts and find peace in you, guide us, keep us, and make us into your people. And Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.
4: services announcements. I just love to hear all the things that are happening in the church and see all of the variety of different ways in which we connect with different groups of people here in the church and outside. And all of that is possible because of your generosity. Because of the faithful giving of this church, we're able to sustain so many different ministries that are happening every single day, every single week, right here in this spot in Fort Worth. And we are reaching out far beyond our community, so I also feel very privileged and blessed to be part of this community of faith that Uh, takes generosity, that takes giving so seriously. So now I will ask our uh, stewards to come forward to receive our offering. The easiest way to give is to go on our website fumcfw.org slash give now. Uh, You will fill in the form. You are able to select where specifically you want your funds to go. If you have brought your offering with you and this is something that is material and physical that you can put into the basket, please do so as our stewards pass by. You can also take the card, and if you do give online, put the card that I give online because that is an action, that is a visible sign of your faithfulness and of your generosity to this church. Now, let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we ask you to bless the offerings. We ask you, God, to bless the generous givers that are in this church. And also, God, we ask you that you will take these gifts and you multiply them for the growth of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Sorry about last night. Jesus, we both know I tried. Jesus, feels like the world's in pieces. I'm sure you've got your reasons, but I have my doubts. Jesus, I have my doubts. The world gone now, Jesus. It's like the world's in pieces. I'm sure you've got your reasons, I've got my doubts, Jesus. each meet me here in the silence, singing these broken songs, looking for a life so long, but the pain goes on.
3: Absolutely beautiful. Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis, first book of the Bible. I'm going to be reading from chapter 15, verses one through through 21. If you brought your Bible today, I invite you to turn to that. I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible. Uh, the translation that we have here in the sanctuary is called the New Revised Standard Version. It's similar yet different in some spots. Uh, any translation is one that we invite you to look at right now. And for those at home and for all of you here, the words will also be on the screen. After these events, The Lord's word came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your protector. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you possibly give me since I still have no children? The head of my household is Eliezer, a man from Damascus. He continued. Since you haven't given me any children, the head of my household will be my heir. The Lord's word came immediately to him. This man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be your very own biological child. Then he brought Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you think you can count them. He continued, This is how many children you will have. Abram trusted the Lord, and the Lord recognized Abram's high moral character. He said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram said, Lord God, how do I know that I will actually possess it? He said, Bring me a three year old female calf a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a dove, and a young pigeon. He took all of these animals, split them in half, and laid the halves facing each other. But he didn't split the birds. When vultures swooped down in the carcasses, Abram waved them off. After the sun set, Abram slept deeply. A terrifying and deep darkness settled over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, have no doubt that your descendants will live as immigrants in a land that isn't their own, where they will be oppressed slaves for 400 years. But after I punish the nation they serve, they will leave it with great wealth. As for you, you will join your ancestors in peace and be buried after a good long life. The fourth generation will return here since the Amorites' wrongdoing won't have reached its peak until then. After the sun had set and darkness had deepened, a smoking vessel from a fiery flame passed between the split open animals. That day the Lord cut a covenant with Abram. To your descendants, I give this land, from Egypt's river to the great Euphrates, together with the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, the people of Waxahachie and Mehea, and every, every community that's a challenge to pronounce. Thank you, Xenia, very much. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture Thanks be to God.
4: That was great. You got through them, Mike. Now, was it necessary? Probably not. Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody who uh, makes this worship service possible. In the morning here, before you get, most of you guys get here, at around 9, 10, we gather together as all of the volunteers, and we have a brief prayer. And every single morning uh, when we do that, it's such a joy for me to see the faithful people that are here to welcome you, to greet you, to take your offering, to serve your communion, all of those things. And there is so much more. There is more people in the children's uh, wing volunteering. There's people volunteering and with youth. This is what makes us a great church, and it's such a privilege to serve here. So my name is Zhenya. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, I am not Lance Marshall, who is normally the preacher uh, in this worship service, he is right now taking vacation and uh, taking a well-deserved rest, and uh, um, when he uh, told me that that was the plan, and there is this Sunday where uh, he needs me to preach, my immediate answer is, sure, yes, of course, no problem, and then later that day, I'm kind of like, I probably need to like see what I agreed to, uh, <laughs> so... I go there, dig through um, our shared files, find the planning uh, file for this worship service, and you, as you may not realize, but um, some of the uh, people who make this worship service happen in the meaningful way that they are, they actually put many, many weeks of planning before the service even happens. Actually, preachers are one of the last ones that kind of have to get it all together the last minute. Usually that's not what happens with the rest of the elements of the service. So I open the shared file, some of the things are already in place, some songs are picked up, and then I see the scripture. And I see Genesis 15 and I'm like, no, 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 please don't be what I'm thinking it is. And I open it and sure enough, it is Abraham. Well, at that time he's still Abram, but still the same guy. Well. Some of you who have been with me at some Bible studies or watched Bible challenge or maybe just randomly talk to me about Abraham know what I think about Abraham. I am quite outspoken about it, and it's very comfortable to share my thoughts and my opinions about Abraham when I'm in a cozy, you know, Bible study with a handful of people. It's quite different to actually preach it. So um, we're going to do it. I'm going to come out just honest, you know, to those of you who do not know what I think about Abraham. I don't really have a high regard for this gentleman in the Bible. Um, I struggle with a lot of things that he has done and the way he chose to behave at certain points of his life. So, uh, yeah, I was thinking, Lance, seriously, you needed somebody as an example of faith? Well, how about all of those women that? couldn't have children and believed and God gave them a child, how about Daniel like praying in front of all of the lions in the den, like those are great stories, why do you really need to bring Abraham, like can we just like leave Abraham alone, well we can't, so what's up with Abraham, I, I do want you to keep your Bibles open. And uh, I'll kind of drop a few uh, scriptures here and there. If you want to read the entire story, it just won't take you long, a few chapters. Um, and maybe you will agree with me on some points. But, so what's up with Abraham? Uh, he actually, by the time we meet him in Genesis 15, he's been in the Bible for only about like two and a half pages, not that long, but he's managed to do, to do a lot of things in those two and a half pages. Uh, He used to live in what is now modern-day Turkey, Uh, and then at the age of, let's see, 70-something, I'm looking at uh, Genesis 12, here we go, Uh, he was 75 years old, Uh, that's verse 4, Abram hears God telling him, get up, get all your stuff, get all your people, and go, God, where do I go? Go to the land that I will give you. Not really specific. He does it. He goes. He goes and then he gets to what would later be the promised land. And God says, stop. This is the land I'm giving you. Abram says, great. He builds an altar. He worships God. Then things happen. Then there is famine. When there is famine, you go to a place that has food to eat. He goes to Egypt with all of his uh, family, all of his belongings. Now, that's where things get really ugly. So we're still in chapter 12. Like, we haven't moved even half a page. By the time Abram gets to Egypt, he decides... um, that it would be really smart to tell everybody in Egypt that that's not my wife, that's my sister, she is available if somebody would like to have her, so he actually lets the pharaoh marry his wife, telling that that's his sister. And he gets quite a good dowry for that. Yeah, I have a lot of problems with that. Now, I understand that we're in modern society and, uh, um, you know, like I'm here flamboyant feminist or whatever, all of that bothers me. But even in that ancient world, come on, even if you think that your wife is your property and you are listing her in your mind right there with your donkeys and horses and whatever chests of gold, you are still supposed to kind of protect her not give her away to the highest bidder. But that's what he does. Well, Lord saves her. She comes back to Abram. By the way, he does it again later on. You would think that one time was enough. Nope, he did it again. Um, Anyway, move on. Then there is a war. Then they fight. Then uh, he uh, protects his nephew Lot, brings him back home. um, And then after they win the war, there is an interesting episode happening in, uh, let's see, that's where in chapter 14, Uh, around verse 17, you can mark it and read it at home if you want to, but after they win the war, (coughs) there is this gathering of political leaders, political leaders, religious leaders, they were all the same at that time, and there is somebody that is really mysterious. His name is King Melchizedek. Now, we don't know anything about him except for that he was a king, and then if you're looking at verse 18, it says that he was priest of God Most High, now that's before Moses that's before the law that's before everything somehow some way this guy whose name is Melchizedek knew that there is God who is most high maybe there are other gods there, you know, they believed all kinds of things back then, but he was like, no, I know who is the most high God, and I am going to serve that God. Well, that priest, King Melchizedek finds Abram and then blesses him, and listen to that in verse 19, chapter 14. Blessed be Abram by by God most high, maker of heaven and earth, And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So they have this kind of a worship service in the end of the war where they're worshiping God most high before God even revealed himself to the people of Israel much later on, generations later. But... And Abram is part of all of that. Like, he actually ties, tith- uh, he gives one tenth of everything to that king. Now, that's before ties was a thing. Like, they. There is no law. There was no even offerings required. There was no preacher standing in front of him and telling him, Thank you, Abram, for your generosity. now we're going to pass the plate and make sure that one-tenth of what you have goes there. No, he does it on his own will. So somehow he knows what to do. So besides building altars, besides knowing who God is and that God is the most high God of all, and that's the God we serve, Abram and Melchizedek, they both also worship God through giving. And uh, that's where we get to chapter 15 that starts with those words, after these things. By the way, if you read the Bible and you, you open up a chapter and it says, and after those things, make sure you read up to see what actually happened. Otherwise, you're kind of missing the first episode. You know, it's kind of hard to get into the TV show if you missed half of it. So make sure you always read up. So that, that, that's why I felt like I needed to tell you the story. So what do we have before chapter 15? Abram is doing some great things. He's responding to God's call to get up and go somewhere to the land he doesn't know. Now I I made the move that required me to uh, fly a few thousand miles, I guess, I don't know. Um, I come from the dark side of the world. Uh, So I didn't hear voices. (laughs) And sure enough, I didn't have to just pack all of my stuff and get on the donkeys and travel. But the fear of the unknown, the fear of leaving everything that you know, everything that you love, everything that's meaningful to you, and just going somewhere else where you have to start over to build up relationships and communities that are gonna be your meaningful places of connection, I can resonate with that. That's really hard. And now, Abram, the only reason why the Bible tells us that he did that was because God told him so. There was no other reason for him to leave his home community in the city of Haran, which is our modern day Turkey, and move across many miles. God told him, and he did. Now, I can't argue against that. That's an act of faith. Well, uh, let's just, uh, we'll come back to chapter 15. What, what happens uh, with Abraham after that? Well, in chapter 16, and later on, he becomes Father Abraham. Who knows the song Father Abraham? His many sons. Okay, so I am just dreading the time when my son will learn that song and then say, Mom, how did that happen? <laughs> and how many mummies were there? And what happened to those mummies? (laughs) That's where there will be an emergency call to Mr. Mark. Mr. Mark, I'm putting you on the speakerphone. You take it from there, because if you don't know the story, you've got to read it. It's worth of an HBO TV series, trust me. So then we get to chapter 22, which is, you know, after Abraham has this amazing experience that Mike told us about, he literally hears God, he experiences God's presence, you would think that something would change in his high moral character. Well, I doubt it was even quite there before, well, as time goes on, he doesn't really show a whole lot of change in character. You know, in chapter 22, because again, he hears voices, he's, he's ready to kill his son, to sacrifice his son. And I know, I know there is like a ton of books, literally, you could probably put a mountain of books and arguments why it was very important for Abraham to be ready to sacrifice Isaac. I know that. But I'm also a mama bear, and that will never make sense to me. That will never make sense to me. That he was ready to sacrifice that son that he's been waiting for for so long, that he's made so many mistakes and questionable choices just to get that son. He was ready to sacrifice him. I will never be able to accept an argument that says that Abraham was doing the right thing. Anyway, God stopped him, God intervened, God saved Isaac, now God didn't save Isaac from probably a PTSD, and God knows what kind of relationship Isaac had with his son for the rest of his life after his father was ready to sacrifice him, literally standing with a knife over the boy. Bible doesn't tell us that, maybe for a good reason. Anyway, that's that's, that's Abraham, that's why I struggle with him. That's why I don't like him. I don't like the guy. are other examples of faith that are so much better to talk about. But thanks, Lance, to your infinite wisdom to letting us talk about Abraham today. So back to chapter 15. There are some things that I can't deny about Abraham. Something about his faith was exceptional. Not his character, not his choices, not some of the things that he's done with his family. Something about his faith was really exceptional. You know why? His faith is mentioned in three books in the New Testament, in Romans and Galatians and in James. In Romans, like Romans is like a hall of fame of New Testament, and he's mentioned there. Other people of the Bible are not, but he is. His faith is. I can't argue against that. There was something exceptional about his faith that made God create a covenant with him. That covenant was so strong and so meaningful that it transcended generations. The faith of that man, who was probably morally and ethically in many ways falling short, his faith was known to generations after. He's mentioned in the New Testament. We know about faith because he's an example of it. So I had to dig deep. I had to dig deep to figure out what kind of faith was it that this man had. Because he was not, again, your, you know, stellar example of um, faithfulness and righteousness and all of that. He was not. He screwed up a lot. So the details that I found are the ones that actually make sense. He was able to hear God. I'm going to say it again. Many times through these chapters, God speaks to Abram, and Abram hears God. That is something I wish the Bible would tell us more. That's the part where I'm like, "Uh, how did he speak? Was there a voice? Was there a prophet? Was there just a nagging thought that would just come to Abram over and over and over again? Especially at the times when he prayed, when he searched for meaning, when he was staring at the sky and the stars and wondering what kind of God made all of that and what does that God have to do with me How did he hear God? And why does the Bible not tell us? The Bible tells us all kinds of details. I just got done reading Leviticus, too many details, we could cut some of those. But the Bible misses to mention how did God speak to Abram, that he could hear him. Why? Why does the Bible miss that? I wonder, I don't have an answer, you may have a better answer than me, but I wonder that that important detail is never explained because God speaks to all kinds of people, including us, in very, very special ways. And the authors of the Bible decided not to single out some over the others. We know God speaks to us. We say it every single time we gather here. We say God speaks to us through the reading of the Scripture. That's one. God speaks to us. Second, you guys are here. Some of you are here pretty often. Some of you are here every Sunday. Why are you coming here? Is it maybe because God speaks through the whole experience of being in worship with other people? I want to leave you that question to you guys as a homework. How does God speak to me? In which ways God really reaches me when I know this is not something that comes from me, this is something that comes from outside, from somebody who is powerful, who is knowledgeable, who is all-merciful and loving, that someone is God, and I know that God speaks to me. How? How does God speak to you? Here's some other examples that I know God sometimes uses to reach some people. It could be through other people. Do you have a person in your life, a saint, a real saint in your life that, first of all, loves you, accepts you for who you are, and also has this presence of holiness around them? And when they speak, you just know that what they say is really, really special. Could that be the way God speaks to you? Is it a prayer sometimes that you pray and that really instills the feeling of shalom on you and you're like, yes, I needed to hear that. I really needed to hear that. If that is the way you respond to something, is that possible that God is speaking to you? We need to find out how does God speak to us so that then we can make a next step into actually saying, yep, that was God. I wonder if Abram just lived in that city of Haran where he lived for 70-something years, but always had a longing for another place. He looked around his community and thought, I don't belong here. I don't want my children to grow up here. I wonder what is waiting for me on the other side? And he longed, and he thought about it, and he prayed about it to the God who he didn't know much about. He just knew that there is a most high God who created everything, so he prayed. And then over time, answer came that, yes, get up and go. And once God spoke, and Abram knew that that was God, yep, heard that, He got up and left. So first is to figure out how does God speak to you specifically? What is the most effective way in which you can hear God? And second, have the faith to actually acknowledge it. Yes, that was from God. And then have faith to act upon what you heard. All of that requires faith. And Abram had that. He kind of nailed that one because God speaks to him a lot every single like at least two or three times in every chapter God says something to Abram first of all, he's listening, second, he can discern that that's God, and third, he has a conversation with God, God, I hear you, and this is my my answer to you, and my answer could be an action, my answer could be a way, a different way of asking the question. My answer could be a different prayer. Abram does that all the time. So, when you read in the Bible those verses that, and God spoke, and Abram answered, and then Abram did this, and then God told him that, well, all of that is a life of faith that is covered in prayer and discernment and looking for the voice of God. Now, that's faith. Abram also worships God. He doesn't have a church, doesn't have really a pastor. He has that priest, Melchizedek, that shows up one time to take his offering, Uh, but he worships God all the time. Anywhere there is a meaningful event, he builds an altar. And it's not just, let's pile a bunch of rocks and move on. No, he worships there. That place becomes special. That place becomes holy. That place becomes something that he marked to come back to because in his journeys he comes back to some of those altars where he knows this is where God spoke to me. This is where something sacred happened. Those places are forever meaningful in his life. So for our lives of faith, what are our worship practices? What are our sacred spaces where we hear God? What are they? Do we have them? Are they marked in our lives? Do we identify them? Do we want to come back to those places when we really, really need to connect with God? One of the obvious ones is right here, 800 West 5th Street. Never know the zip code. They always have to look up on our website. But one of them is here. That's why you are here. There may be some other places. I've been in some of your homes, and I know there may be some altars that you set up for yourself. Especially during the pandemic, we all had to get creative. There's nothing wrong with that. That's your sacred space. That's your place of worship. That's your special place of hearing and listening, God. That's what Abram did. It worked for him in spite of all the other mistakes that he's done. And then, yeah, he believes. When he hears God, he believes. God tells him, you will have a lot of children, and he believes that. God knows it. That's why God reckons it to him for righteousness. So Abraham lacks in righteousness. We already established that faith. Fact, you know, there are some things he could have done better. But his faith estimates as the one equal to the righteousness that he's lacking. Faith brings up that righteousness level that was pretty low apparently at some points of life in, uh, in, uh, with Abraham. I also look at the dialogue that he has with, uh, with God in chapter 15, I actually had to color code it. Where does God speak and where does Abraham speak? And uh, you know what? Just look at the first uh, uh, verse, verse 2, O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? in the air of my house, da-da-da-da-da. Well, that's not an exciting way to start a prayer. We like to start prayers with thanksgiving, with blessing. And Abraham was like, yeah, yeah, God, what can you give me? I don't have children, so nothing else matters. Kind of has an attitude, doesn't he? I, I pick up on that. Maybe it's, my, it's uh, my five-year-old's voice in my head, you know. Well, anyway, so Abraham is nagging. Look at verse 3. You have given me no offspring, and so is slave born. So he continues to nag. Then in verse 8, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess this land? He has all these questions. He's nagging God. Where is the thanksgiving? Where is the blessing? Where is uh, the worship part, God Almighty, and all of that? No, he's just nagging God. What kind of attitude is that? You know, I found that same kind of uh, nagging attitude in Jesus' parables, and he actually praised it. Now, we're going to do a very Baptist thing. We're going to jump to another scripture. I know we Methodists don't do that, but hang on with me. We are going to Luke. We're going to Luke 18. And I cheat because I have the little thingy here. Luke 18, right? Their the very first parable in Luke 18, verse one. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. And then the parable is about a nagging widow that goes to the judge over and over and over again, demanding for justice. And in the end, judge says, I don't really care about her. I don't care about justice. But you know what? I'm just going to give her what she wants because I'm tired of her. That is the example Jesus used for his lesson. Again, verse 1, Jesus told them a parable about their need. We have a need. God doesn't need our prayers. We need our prayers. We have a need to pray always and not to lose heart. We tend to lose heart when we pray about something and it doesn't happen. Goodness, God, I prayed for you to stop the war with Ukraine already for two weeks. I got the entire church to pray with me. Isn't that enough? Apparently not. Is that a reason to lose faith? Is that a reason to lose heart? Or is that a reason to look back and say, uh oh, I have a need to pray always and not to lose heart? And if my prayer turns into some kind of a nagging and complaining about something that I have already prayed about at least one million times, apparently Jesus says it's okay. I wonder how many times Abraham prayed to have a son. Again, we don't, we don't get that, there is uh, other details in the Bible, but not that. I bet you a lot. I bet you he probably prayed for a son even before he was married. And then afterwards, he was waiting for the heir. He saw his household growing, his wealth accumulating through some very questionable means but he was looking for the air, and he was not there. So he kept on praying and praying and praying. That's why the glimpse that we get into Abraham's prayer life sounds like complaining and nagging. Well, God, what can you give me? You didn't give me an air. Well, how can I know? (laughs) That's okay. Apparently, that kind of prayer is also okay. In fact, Jesus says that sometimes we need that kind of prayer for our own heart, for the strength of our own faith. So nagging God apparently is okay if you have something worthy of nagging. And then something really interesting happens. I really wanted Mike to read that whole sacrifice and cutting the animals in half and laying them around and, you know, and all of those carcasses are laying there apparently for several hours. The flies are there now. The birds are coming. The beasts are coming. Abraham is there with the stick, you know, like just protecting, protecting those animals. Really weird stuff. Now, I just read the entire Leviticus with my, uh, with the Bible challenge group. That's even weird for Leviticus people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, in fact, there is only one time in the Bible where something similar is mentioned. We're not going to go there, but all of you curious minds, right there on your notes, Jeremiah 34, verses 18 and down, is where very similar sacrifice is happening. In Jeremiah, though, there are some details that are different from what's happening here. So here, Abraham prepared the animals, laid them, uh, cut them in half, put them um, side by side, and then he was just waiting for something to happen. And then night came, and there was a a flame that passed through them. And in the Bible, the flame that is not explainable, the flame that is… uh, something that we, we, don't, we don't quite understand, where it comes from, that's the presence of God. So God, God passes through. In Jeremiah, there is an explanation for that. Each time there is a very serious covenant, the kind of a covenant that is the matter of life and death. The person who submits to that covenant passes through those Uh, cut cut apart animals, and then in Jeremiah, the people that passed through actually broke the covenant and they died. This is a covenant that is literally a matter of life and death. Now, in Genesis, God doesn't tell Abraham to pass through those animals. God says, this is my covenant, I will walk through it. God's word is enough. God's word is powerful enough to create the entire world. God doesn't need to take vows and oaths just for us to believe God. One word should be enough. But no, God passes through those animals himself to say that the covenant that I am making is so important that I am willing to die for it. And all of it is for you, Abram, whose story we already know. In the covenant, part of it is that, yes, what I promised you is, is going to happen. However, there is more that God reveals to Abraham. And those things that God reveals to Abraham require more faith to accept. Because in that covenant, Abraham also learns that the descendants that he's been praying for, that he's waiting for, that he wants so bad to have those babies are just too cute. Those precious babies are going to be slaves for generations in another uh, country, and they will be oppressed. Now, what kind of a baby shower announcement is that, God? Not very cheerful. That's some hard news to say that something that I'm praying for, that I'm envisioning, is gonna be born in the world that is so broken that slavery and oppression is part of it. So God says, yes, we're gonna have a covenant, but you also need to know that I'm not some kind of a fairy that is going to give you children and then fix the world around them that everything is perfect. We know that. We are the children of God and we are born in the world that is full of evil. We are born in the the world that is full of really, really heartbreaking news. But we also have the faith in the covenant that God has with us. And that faith gives us strength to accept that even in the middle of really bad news, even facing the world that is full of evil and brokenness and pain, we still believe that God is present, that God speaks to us, we need to learn how to hear, that God is worthy of being worshiped and God fulfills His part of that covenant, and He does, because in just a few seconds, after the prayer that we will have, we will celebrate another covenant, that Jesus offered through His own blood to us to bring us into the kingdom of God. God continues to hold on to that covenant, and all that God is asking from us is faith, not high moral character, because we will all fail. Not always making the right decisions, we will fail in that too. Instead, cultivating faith looking for means to, to feed that faith in us, and having the courage to respond when that faith tells us God just said something, and that requires a response. That is part of our deal of the covenant. Now we will transition to the prayer. We are doing a different prayer during Lent. It's the prayer where I say a part, and then we together sing the response. Thomas is going to lead us. Please join
5: me. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Oh Lord.
4: us, O Lord, in the midst of our doubts. Guide us as we seek to walk the path of our true life. Heal us as we recover from our own wounds and strengthen us as we face our deepest fears.
5: Lord, hear my prayer.
4: Just as Abram let his questions get in the way of God's promise sometimes. So we let doubts corrupt our faith sometimes. We come to you in prayer, asking for your help in discerning how we could follow your voice.
5: Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. When I call,
4: We seek your light, O Lord, to guide us out of the darkness. Help us return to your path and to walk in your steps. Let us recognize the pride in us and bring us to life in the grace of your kingdom.
5: O Lord, hear my prayer. O Lord, hear my prayer.
4: O Lord from the weight of doubts bring us to your grace field and redeemed life with you it is a life that's in its fullness in your truth has brought the new covenant
5: to us O Lord hear my prayer oh Lord hear my prayer when I call
4: And so on the night, on the last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, they had a meal together and Jesus took the bread that they had at the table at the time. He broke it, he looked at his disciples with love and compassion and told him, this is my body broken for you, eat of it in remembrance of me. And in the end of the dinner, he took the cup with wine. He blessed it, he gave thanks for it, and then he said, this is blood of the new covenant given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. All of you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so we do every single time we get together. We receive communion, and we encourage all of you here to take part in it. When you come forward, Come with your hands open, with your heart open, prepared to receive the gift that has nothing to do with your righteousness, but has everything to do with your faith. Receive the bread, and then also receive a cup with juice. We serve juice because we don't want anybody to have to choose between participating in communion and their sobriety. You may even say a quick prayer, and then please dispose of the cup in the receptacle. And now I invite the communion stewards to come forward. And as we prepare our hearts, let's pray. Loving and gracious God, I pray, God, that you will forgive us for the shortcomings, for the lack of faith, for doubts, for some questions that cloud sometimes our faith, and help us right now, in this moment, experience your presence that will heal us, that will bring us closer to you, that will restore our faith, that will help us, God, to hear what you have to say to us today. And together, as the disciples of Christ, we're going to say the prayer that he taught us to say, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The table is set. The meal is ready. Come and be fed.
0: I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at his table, I will feed.
4: Before you receive the benediction, I want to thank you for joining us today in worship. And if you are a guest here today, please make sure you stop by the on-ramp that is right here in the garden to your left as you exit the sanctuary. We have a gift for you. We want to meet you. We want to welcome you into our church. Receive this benediction. Let the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be always with you. Amen. Amen.